Welcome to the GeoMob podcast, where we discuss geo-innovation in any and all forms, be it for fun or profit. Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of the GeoMob podcast. This is a quite a special episode because we have with us today the two founders of a company called Splash Maps. Uh, Splash Maps is a great product in its own right, but also a very special GeoMob story because it originally started as a Kickstarter project that was presented at GeoMob all the way back in 2013. Then it turned into a business. And for the last couple of years, as anyone who has been to us to a GeoMob will know, it has been the sponsor of our guest speaker prize. So at each GeoMob event, at the end of the event, we vote by show of hands or online for who the best speaker is, and they win a Splash Map. So allow me to introduce our guests, David Overton and Ian Holt, the two co-founders of Splash Maps. Guys, welcome to the show. What Hi, is Ed, thanks Splash for having Maps? Us. What is Splash Maps? Okay, well, uh, Splash Maps is is really for those that that love the outdoors and don't want that anxiety feeling about batteries, electronics, or the inevitable entanglement with paper. And for that reason, we print our maps on weatherproof fabrics. We we sell extremely well to people who are at the extremes, climbing mountains, but also to the people who just just want to find out what's outside their front door. Take us through a little bit the story of Splash Maps, guys. How did you how did you get this idea, and then how did how did you make it a reality? Well, who should take that one? No, you go for it. You go for it. Yeah. Okay. So, well, I, I guess as a kid, I read a lot of World War Two pilot novels, and uh, there was always this this mysterious kind of silk escape and evasion map that they would use to great effect when dropped behind enemy lines. And then, as I joined Ordnance Survey uh, with a background in chemical engineering more than anything else, and so really not a geographer, I became aware of an internal decision not to make fabric maps. So wait, as, wait, wait, if I may ask, why did they decide not to do it? Because they didn't have the sales capability to make the proposition fly. That's that's what I can surmise from what I saw at the time. Uh, literally, that they just weren't the right people to take the idea forward. So it's something I kind of stored away in the back of my mind. And then Ian, myself, and a whole bunch of other people, some of whom will probably have to remain nameless, <laughs> used to get together in the evenings in a pub and uh, work out uh, what we wanted to do with the rest of our lives. And both Ian and I wanted to start a business about maps. Uh, we actually started two limited companies before Splash Maps came about. And, um, and there, there we go. We started from there. Well, congratulations. Fantastic. How is the business going? So so you, you started roughly, it was, it was five, six years ago, no, maybe maybe a bit more, seven, eight years ago now, huh? It's eight years. Eight years we've been going now. Yeah, yeah. So we started with a, um, a single map of the new forest. We exploited Ordnance Survey's open data, some of which both Ian and I had been working on at Ordnance Survey. So I guess we probably knew more about that area than most people. And we made a terrific map of the new forest and we incorporated OpenStreetMap into that as well. I, I think that was probably the first time that was done and definitely the first time that it was launched as a, as a fabric map. How does the actual map get made? I'm assuming you guys physically make the maps yourself or you outsource the production somehow? Or, or how does one go about making a fabric map? It's not easy, I can tell you. And uh, 
we we had to uh, check out lots and lots of different suppliers. We, we made a decision at a very early stage. In fact, this this was quite a tough decision, wasn't it? We, we kind of I I think you wanted a printer, and I, I was really adamant that with my skills with my own home printer, I just didn't want to go down that line. Well, I, I've really come enamoured with the lean startup philosophy, and and basically, how could we how could we know whether there was any market for our products or or, or any reason to carry on as quickly and as, as cheaply and w- without investing um, a whole load of time and money in, in setting up the business uh, to only find out that perhaps there's no viability in it. So, so, I, so I was very much like, can we print onto a fabric something or fabric-like material without, uh, w- with a simple home printer and to prove the idea and to get it out in front of people and see if anybody would actually, would actually buy this. But we also had the other um, aspect of that is we, we, it had to be high quality. It had to be, it couldn't just be printed onto uh, very coarse uh, tea towel fabric yeah, or, like or, or anything like that because you had to be able to read the very, very, very tiny print that's often put onto cartographic products. So how do, how do we prove something and then take it out to a very limited market to see if there's actually anything there so so however we you know you can only go so far with, with a printer and a, a bit of pseudo paper like tyvek or something like this before you realize that actually you've got to find a real prints to be able to do this and then you hit buffers the buffers being that those high quality printing processes you could are very expensive to do or if you do it cheaply you've got to do it in bulk whereas what we wanted to do was something very customizable so can i print a one-off can I have my own title? Can a, a customer have their own title, their own area? And that, they only want one of that. And normally that would be a very, very expensive product to produce. So we had to hunt around really for how could we tie the uh, costs that would be viable for the market with something that um, we could produce one off. Some. And maybe David want to yeah. talk a bit about how we found. Too right, uh, yeah. Was, yeah, so I mean, we we tested lots of printers across Europe and we were having some success with, you know uh, in Lithuania in the early days oh, yeah, right. uh, but but more recently we found printers across Europe that will give us absolutely perfect uh, Mac quality and on a fabric that's that's just going to survive everything so you know we've settled in we've settled now in the knowledge that it just makes sense to outsource that stuff but the, the whole finding of the right people is the bigger part of the work. Yeah, I mean, we were all about, all very much about the quality of the product. It had to, it had to be usable, but it also had to survive the outdoors. So we couldn't say, "Here's a better way of walking around without a paper map." When the, when the fabric would would soak up water or deteriorate, so we wanted to find a way in which we could keep this sort of the properties of the of the foldable, squishable product, uh, but also have maybe water bead off it, which is one of the early coatings that we put on. Um, so again, there's was, there was quite a few attributes that we had to sort of pull together to make the product that we wanted, that we thought that we, you know, the market was telling us that they wanted. Okay, so then you you had a, a high quality product, and then what came next? Well, it's it, it's kind of the the whole thing happens together. That we, we had the open street map uh, content, the open data from ordnance survey. And we began to bring in more data from other sources. There's a very useful guy called Barry Cornelius who gave us, um, with his work, all of the overlays for the bridleways and byways and footpaths. 
across Great Britain. Now, that, that might sound peculiar to our foreign listeners, but in Britain, all our pathways are, are categorised in those terms. And it's not easy information to get hold of. You can't get it from Ordnance Survey as data, for example, that they can, they're only allowed to print it onto their maps. So it was a, a case of finding all that data from reliable sources and then extending it so that you could do a, a personalised product, uh, which we did first in the UK using Ordnance Survey's 1 to 25,000 Explorer type maps. And that proved tremendously popular. So for the first time, people could just tap in a postcode and have a fabric map printed. And then we thought bigger. And the only way to go bigger than that really is to go for the world. And the only way to go for the world is to go for OpenStreetMap. So we've we've enjoyed working with Andy Allen and his Thunder Forest service, uh, where we have a, a dedicated style uh, made up for splash maps, which is exclusively ex- exclusively good for making uh, printed printed maps. And so that's now our portfolio portfolio of data behind the scenes, really. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the evolution of the business, I mean, one of the other things, we've had we've had various coincidences that have happened a- along our journey, which has worked really well for us. So one other thing was we decided to try to put our product onto Kickstarter to, again, tease out uh, the demand for it and also a-, a good way to launch something new to a wider audience. And it was just at that point that Kickstarter was just starting up in the UK, mm-hmm. I believe, David. Thomas, when we started, yeah. yeah. So, you know, we had we had quite a lot of good promotion to start on. We also had, uh, within ourselves, we wanted to grow organically. So we we didn't want to, we, we wanted to retain as much of the business between ourselves as we could without necessarily going out to a lot of investors who would pull us uh, in many different directions before we'd really settled on what the product was. Yeah, oh, yeah that's true. It was during that Kickstarter period that you came and presented at Geomob, if I recall correctly. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, we got a lot of support there, and uh, yeah, and uh, quite a lot of the backers were from from Geomob. So we're really grateful to to this this whole community that that we joined for, for boosting our our small business along to make it bigger. But the process like Kickstarter and Indiegogo and, and maybe others that now exist, I'm not aware of. Are, are superb for starting businesses like this. Absolutely. For, for, and I mean, people, the audience probably already knows this because they're well established now, but it really, really was a good way for us to get initial investment so that, you know, we didn't have to go to the bank. We didn't have to go and do the rounds of investments before we'd even started. We could actually, you know, get enough funding to, to get going to kickstart ourselves. Yes, it, it seems to be a great platform, particularly for consumer products where people can get, see the product, get excited about the product, kind of, Put in a pre-order for the product and and get the thing built and made. So so who are the customers of Splashmas? What kind of people are are buying this product? Well, the the main audience that we've got is the daily kind of walkers and runners, cyclists. It's, it's really those that want to love the outdoors with, without dealing with the the pains of of GPS, etc. So it, it's also people who are more curious. So walkers that are curious about trails near them and riders that are keen to see the whole picture of their route and the detail of what's around them at the time. Paddlers, mountaineers and adventurers who don't want their vital kit to turn to mush when it gets wet. These are the audiences for which having a much more robust map is critical for them. And when I say robust, it's although it's robust, it will survive everything. It's not hard-edged or uh, it won't uh, 
graze the edges of your pockets and that sort of stuff when you try and put it away. And you don't have to carry superfluous stuff around your neck in order to to make it work in odd weather. But it's but it's probably you know, since having the product out there, it's probably brought out people that we we didn't in hindsight are maybe fairly obvious, but um, we didn't sort of think of sort of like the educational sector as well. So schools, educational institutes will buy will buy paper products and they'll either want to annotate them and then it becomes useless for the next year or they'll get damaged because their students tend to be quite rough with things. So something that's a lot more durable has been very attractive. So we are partnered with an educational supplier who is able to who takes requests, individual requests from schools for our products. So it was a, again a market that we didn't necessarily aim directly for. Yeah, we didn't understand. Yeah. You know. Uh, and also the, the gift sector as well, I think, is, a, is another one that, uh, again, in hindsight, probably seems fairly obvious. But the uniqueness of the product also meant that you always know somebody who loves walking. You always know somebody who loves the, the outdoors within, uh, within, your, within your family or your, or your social group. And it becomes something sort of a little bit different that you can actually personalize and make special for their whatever they enjoy doing. Yeah. How better to give a gift that shows that you've thought about that that person and where they love to go. I think that really stands out. The personalized map, being able to center it on the, the gift recipient's house. It's such a cool, unique thing. But but your previous point about the explorers and the planners or in the educational thing, that's really where a map is just unbeatable versus any kind of digital tool. I mean, there's no substitute for you know spreading it out on the table and everyone can gather around and you can, you know, trace your finger and see where you're gonna go and stuff. It just doesn't work on a on a mobile. You know. uh, it's true, and I've I've used it with our. I'm I'm chair of our local scouts here, and um, and I've I've given them the maps, and they scramble over them. They mark them up with pens. They get covered in footprints and all sorts of stuff, and they just go in the washing machine afterwards. And to get into those education markets, because we don't know those markets that well, it's not in Ian or my background. We use partners for those. And one of them is Wild Goose Education that Ian was talking about earlier on. And another one covering the uh, younger age group is Play Maps. So, you know, where where we don't actually understand the markets that well, we've been able to build up a community to help us tap into those. I think it's an interesting point you make about discovering these markets that you hadn't originally considered. Because as someone who's kind of followed the journey of Splash Maps in the last couple of years, I think you've had several very interesting partnerships. Maybe you want to talk a little bit about your deal with Lush and, and things that you know probably members of the geo community would never think about as a, as a target market. Maybe share some of those stories. The Lush story is all yours, David. I mean, you don't, you, from meeting well, from meeting the from from meeting the founder on the train. I mean, I yeah. think that's the, I think yeah. you need to retell that. Yeah, I, I I'm kind of one of those one of those people that talks to people on trains. Yeah, try and avoid me if you can. But one of these people just second class carriage going into London on my way to an audition with Dragon's Den, I think it was, and I just happened to be end up sitting next to a guy who seemed like a publisher. Uh, when he put his phone down from his conversation, I, I started chatting with him and told him about our maps. It turned out that that was Mark Constantine, who's the founder of Lush. And from my conversation with him, I established that he was a real map lover. And between the two of us, we kind of concocted this idea of uh, making maps using our our style for all of their areas that they're associated with around the world, which is pretty extensive in actual fact. 
So we managed to get maps into the cosmetics industry, which is definitely one we didn't envisage. And they were our, certainly our biggest customer for at least two years. You've done quite a few of these different kind of co-branding of the maps or custom maps for different brands as well. And I think even all the way to Antarctica, is that correct? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, um, yeah, we've just batched off a bunch of masks with... Uh, Again, two penguins on them off to the off to the Antarctic Heritage Trust. Yeah, I, again, it's that combination of map and uh, beautiful design and an unusual location that just requires a bit of ruggedness. And yeah, so we're, we're selling out of the most southerly shop in on the planet. And what we sell to them is a, a neck warmer that's got the British Antarctic Survey map on one side. And a beautiful design that our outsource designer made based upon their branding with this Gentoo penguin in different kind of orientations. And uh, that's proved to be tremendously popular. So everyone that stops in the Antarctic just has to buy one. And I would sure. also like to add, I think, I think it's really, it, what's been interesting again about Splash Maps journey, for me in particular, has been for someone who comes from very much geospatial technology, very much geospatial data, has all, all the other aspects that we've had to learn, not only from the business side, but we've had to, we've had to learn how to source material that comes entirely from recycled oh, God, plastic. Yeah. We've had to, we've had to, <laughs> we've had to, 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 you know, to learn how to work with markets that necessarily don't really care about the geospatial stuff and try to make them understand the value to them. So I think there's been a lot of aspects of this which you don't realize going into a business on one side and then out of it comes a whole load of different applications that yeah. have been a good, good lessons to learn. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and the, the other thing that we've discovered is is that just thinking about that recycled fabric, that does, you re, if you're making your own dedicated fabric, you really have to commit and, you know, each time you've got to make kilometers and kilometers of this stuff in order to meet minimum order quantity. So, so that does, although they're great, great opportunities that you get with these big retailers, it does come with an element of uh, trepidation, I'd say. But also, I mean, maybe this is apologies as it's sort of going tangential a little bit, but, but uh, you know, it's worth on the Splash Maps journey, it's worth how, how, the, the current pandemic has really made, has changed our business and has made us pivot in a way that we didn't foresee and we certainly weren't planning to do. Yes, um, please, but, please share. Please share. How, so, how so, has that affected you? And, and so by this, I was specifically talking about, we saw an opportunity to make, to take mapping onto masks. We saw that patterns on masks were in demand, that people wanted to have something other than the plain sort of surgical masks or, or clear plastic or something like this. So they wanted something more that, that, that was more them. So you saw things coming out with faces on masks and, and different things and different patterns. But there was also, we saw an opportunity that actually people also want to want maps on them, that actually maps was as an attractive pattern as anything else i mean we we've had huge success i mean that was not, not only because there's been an increased demand in, in mass but but people wanted to be have their location of where of where they come from on on their mask or uh, particularly in the u.s they've they, they're really attracted to styles around the uk for yeah uh, for uh, yeah, I'm it's, not it's, sure it's, reasons <laughs> yeah in, in the states we sell I, I think in the states we sell more london underground masks than we do in London, quite uh, <laughs> quite something. 
So, so this is, so it's been an opportunity for us. And I think, again, if for people who are listening to this podcast, maybe from a business point of view, I think it's, it's, it's obvious to say that when you, when you see an opportunity come along, it's, you know, it's definitely worth trying because it can lead you in different directions. Again, it's grown a side of our business that has made us, you know, made us very profitable and successful during a period of time when many other sort of more traditional businesses have probably suffered. And we're at the advantage that we're completely online, that we we can we can tailor things very quickly. With uh, you know, when when people talk about what's the benefits of small businesses, well, that that agility, the fact that you can basically change what you're doing but still keep to the core tenets of what you are as a business. Fantastic! Congratulations. That, that I, I think that is a, g- a great lesson for everyone to to pick up on. So, so one point that. You know, at Geomob, we often have all these uh, speakers who come and give talks about whatever the the hot new technology is, or you know, everything that's possible on the newest phone and all these device sensors and satellite imagery and all this kind of stuff. And here, you guys are actually printing maps. You know, so it's, it's a bit of a bit of a contrast. But it, if my understanding is correct, it's actually fairly high tech. What's going on behind the scenes there? Maybe you can give us a peek behind the curtain there and explain some of the process of of, of all the different things that have to happen to produce these custom splash maps. Yeah, well, I, I know what you mean, but behind the scenes, we're exploiting some te- the same technologies as these other guys that we see at, um, at uh, GeoMob on a regular basis. A, a generous helping of OpenStreetMap, a liberal dose of distributed architecture, massive use of open source tools, and a heap of love for the beauty and utility of maps is what we bring together at, at Splash Maps. So, you know, Splash Maps is not just for wayfinding, but it's also a, a tangible memento. This is why they make awesome gifts and merchandise. Just think about it. If the, if the gift giver has a genuine interest in where the receiver is going, could there really be anything more flattering to give someone or, or to receive? The great thing is that we've taken all that complexity and capability that we see in GMOB month after month, and we've served it up as a user-friendly fistful of map. And that that's that's why famous mountaineers and explorers are all buying from us from now. We, we actually had Alan Hinks, and he's the first Briton to climb all of the plus 8,000 meter peaks in the world. And he absolutely he absolutely loves our stuff. And he's, he's kind of obviously one of the extreme users. So most excitingly, in April, we began a three-year collaboration with the universities in Southampton and Rouen to go technical on the fabric as well, to build on the fabric electronic research and make a more interactive electronic splash map based upon work that has already been done at Southampton University and that we've already helped them with in a, in a first prototype. So, so, so if I understand that correctly, it's going to be some, somehow on the fabric map, which will actually be a fabric map. You're going to have LEDs woven in somehow into the fabric, and I'm going to be able to see my position. Is that kind of the rough idea of what you're working on? Or, I mean, this sounds like absolute sci-fi stuff. Oh, it's going to, it's going to be amazing, Ed. Yes, it's really... In a, in a couple of years, it'll totally knock your socks off. I mean, it's, it's not LEDs woven into the fabric. It's it's actually part of of the fabric. It'll be it'll be within the, within the inks. It'll be it'll be have um, the circuitry in such a way that that it will be still something you can just scrunch up and put in your pocket and still be usable. So yeah, it is it is closing on very sci-fi. Phenomenal, phenomenal. Well, my my one requirement is you have to come present it at Geomob when it's ready. 
Oh man, I will be so excited to do that. Yeah, we hope we can present before then as well. <laughs> of course, of course, you're always welcome to present. Which actually, you know, wrapping up our conversation, let's perhaps perhaps move to our traditional closing com- question, which is... Do you, you mind, if I, mind if I just add something before you do that? Oh, please, please. Yeah, what, what would you like to share? I just wanted to add to the, the technology side. I mean, uh, again, we came along at a time that but all of us who are involved in Splash Maps have all been involved or in open at some point or another. And I think that if a few years earlier, when perhaps there wasn't so much open data, perhaps there wasn't so much open source software, it would have been very expensive for us to start our business. We The licensing uh, would have been virtually impossible. There, there certainly wouldn't have been global data available that we would have easily been able to get hold of or even license. We would have had to probably pay very expensive licenses for software, uh, for hosting data, for hosting our services. So really a lot of those elements pre-existing not too long before really we started enabled enabled us to to exist and uh, you know i think we're we're forever grateful to the open community and in fact whenever we can contribute however we can contribute we're always more than happy to do so just simply because without without it we wouldn't have been here, I don't think. Here, here. Yeah, very good, very good point, Ian. I think that's very correct. And and the good news is the pace of the innovation just continues. I mean, the data keeps getting better, the tools keep getting better. So I hope we see many more people who follow in your footsteps coming with innovative products, but not just innovative digital products, but also innovative real world products. Agreed. Uh, I think the, the door has been opened. All right, David, take us through your favorite GeoMob memory. And then you're speaking now, of course, not just as a longtime GeoMob attendee, but the uh, awarder of the Splash Maps Best Speaker Prize. So there's some considerable authority that you have here. Yeah, sure. I think we've probably given away 50 free personalized uh, fabric maps to attendees. And obviously, the the, the, the fabulous A to Z ones we do as well. Uh, the most memorable ones are the ones that the presentations that physically move you or open your eyes to a new perspective in my in my view. I love the work that Anna from Private Eye did uh, exposing who was buying London properties via the new inspired data from the land registry. I thought that was a great way of exposing how money laundering was, was behind what but behind what makes London tick. And then there's proxy address and the simple idea that providing an address for homeless people is their route to recovery, to to finding hope in the future. But the story I loved uh, awarding a splash map to was a street near you where an underappreciated employee of the National War Museum was, uh, sorry, the Imperial War Museum, was forced to take his pet project of linking addresses with King George V's death notices to create one of the most compelling personal history projects that I've ever witnessed. And I think if you get a chance to have a, a look at a street near you, you'll find it a, a compelling thing. You'll just you'll just be in there for hours. All, all three of those were excellent projects, and I'm hopeful to get three of them on the podcast here in the near future. But yeah, a street near you was really, really moving. How with such such simple tools? I actually, to your point, Ian, an excellent example of taking these tools that had now become available and so simple to to create a mashup that was immensely powerful. There's no other way to describe it. Good list, David. Thank you very much. All right. Well, let's wrap up. But of course, I guess the most important question of all is how can people get in touch with you and and how can they buy a Splash Map? And, And with Christmas right around the corner, there's no better time, I guess. So... 
Well, great. Well, simply go on to any browser and type in Splash Maps and you'll find us. And we're just launching in October our new personalization engine, which will give you more options on the the personalized products you can make from our maps. So from microfiber towels, shower curtains, tablecloths, uh, neck warmers, and we're upgrading our neck warmers as well. Really, it's if you know someone who loves the outdoors, then start at Splash Maps. Sign up for our newsletter and you'll you'll get all the best deals on the run up to Christmas and inevitably we'll be making a big thing out of Black Friday. And I'd also add to that that actually, I mean, if, as well as a great product for Christmas, we're very interested in collaborating with people. We have quite an extensive back-end data base of, of data that we've licensed or had collaborations with a number of people that we, we can make available to, for others to use. We're very interested in new products that people might want to work with us on. And those could be uh, digital as well. They're not necessarily, although, although our, our sort of shop front is, is about a, a printed uh, fabric product, we're very much looking at other ways in which we can maybe merge the physical and digital worlds together. I know that's a that's a very trite saying, but it's it's very true that we, we want to sort of bring the two together. And that project with Southampton is very much about that. So how, how can we, are there other opportunities that other people are looking for ways in which that physical and digital world can be brought together? All right. Very good. Thanks very much, uh, Ian, David, for coming on the podcast. Congratulations on your success with Splash Maps. And of course, thank you for sponsoring the best speaker prize over the, over the past few years and may it continue for many more. Well, great. And thank you very much for, for getting us involved in, in Geomob in the first place, Ed, and for all your support over the years. Of course, you know, we're greatly impressed, greatly appreciated the investment that you made in us at those early stages. Our pleasure. All right. Take it easy, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks, everyone, for joining us today and listening to the GMOP podcast. Hopefully, you've enjoyed the discussion. Please don't hesitate if you have any feedback for us or any suggestions for topics that we should cover in the future. You can get the show notes over on the website, which is at thegeomob.com. While you're there, if you're not yet on the mailing list, please do get on the mailing list where we once a month send out an email announcing future events, summarizing past events, and just generally sharing uh, events that you may find of interest. You can also, of course, follow us on Twitter, where our handle is geomob. You can follow Stephen at Stephen Feldman. You can follow me at Fryfogel. You can check out Mappery at mappery.org. And of course, if you need any geocoding, please check out my service, which is opencagedata.com. We look forward to you joining us again at a future episode, and of course, seeing you at a future GeoMop event. Hope to see you there soon. Bye.